to the second installment of the Mile High Bias. Uh, as always, I'm Stan. This is Tyler. Welcome back for a second edition. Okay, so last week we had a long, extensive talk about All Star Weekend. Yeah, we did. What were your impressions of it? Were you excited with it? Did it satisfy you, or were you bored like everyone else in the nation? I wasn't. I was saying I wasn't bored, but it didn't hit my expectations. It didn't peak. Is there anything you think can be done to improve it, or will it always just be one of these spectacles that no one really cares about? But if it's on, you watch it. If LeBron was in the dunk contest. That, that would, be would awesome. that put it over the top? Yes, that would put it over the, the top. I mean, it does get pretty good ratings for an all-star game, but uh, I think definitely having a superstar in the dunk contest or even in the three-point contest would generate a little more buzz and also a little more ratings. I saw on an article on CBSSports.com about a potential idea of having the final round of the dunk contest at halftime of the actual all-star game. Would you be in favor or against that? Against it. Why so? I like I like having the All Star being its own thing. No, sorry, a dunk contest being its own separate thing on Saturday night. Oh, and look, Saturday night is the festivities yeah. before the actual game. Yeah, they just mess around. I'd rather have the All Star game in between the dunk contest, oh. <laughs> between the first and second <laughs> round. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, so getting to our last week's picks, we'll go over them real quickly. I, of course, got them all wrong. (laughs) Coming in the clutch, seeing everybody. Never getting anything right. (laughs) So, you you got, you went over? I, I, yeah, zero. Big goose egg. Better, baby. Yeah. So, on the skills challenge, you had Lillard winning it all. Nailed Lillard. That was, that was an easy one. The three point, you got one of the finalists. Yeah, hooray. You had Kyrie. And then the shooting stars challenge, you had Team Westbrook. Which? Yeah, well, I got ripped off on that one, I tell you what. <laughs> they had it, well, they had the half-court shot left. They had, like, a minute and a half to do it, and they couldn't pull it off. Uh, I'm going to count that one as a win. But I got two right. Was it two out of, what, five or four? I'll give you half of the three-point finalists. Half? Yeah. So I got half of them right. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take 50% any day of the week. <laughs> All right. So sticking on uh, basketball. The trade deadline is tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Yeah, big news coming up, maybe. Yeah. Do you see any crazy trades going on if Josh Smith gets moved or anything like that? Uh, he's supposed to be moved. Um, from what I hear, the biggest suitors are uh, New Jersey or Brooklyn, I guess they're called now. <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn and San Antonio are the two major interests. Um, it really comes down to if Atlanta gets back what they're asking for in this, because um, they don't have to make a trade. Um, their GM's not committed to it, and Josh Smith doesn't necessarily want out of Atlanta, but he just wants to go to a contender, and right now, with the makeup that the Hawks have, they're not a contender. Um, I don't think he'll get moved, not yet at least. Um, it might happen in the offseason with the sign-in trade, um, but before tomorrow, I mean, it's less than 24 hours away now. You never know. Things happen pretty quickly. Um, but I'll say he stays in Atlanta. But he's definitely the biggest name right now in the trading market, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, at least for people who have a chance to be moved. Uh, you don't get a guy that averages 17, 8, and 4 very often uh, <laughs> on the trading block. All right. So moving on to the Nuggets trade talk. I got... 
five questions. A segment that I thought, I got five on it. <laughs> All right, bring it up. So the first question, <laughs> these questions are courtesy of Round Ball Mining Company. Great website, great yep. website. So uh, the first question they have is, should the Nuggets consider trading a key rotational player before the deadline at the risk of damaging their current uh, chemistry? No. This team just needs experience. This team is the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder of a couple years ago when they uh, pushed, I believe it was the Lakers, to seven games in the first round. Um, all they need is a couple couple more years of playing together, um, get that chemistry more glued down, and uh, we're going to be dangerous, folks. We're going to be dangerous. Uh, I say don't, don't try anybody key, at least, not yet. Um, if something happens in the next couple of years or so that uh, warrants a change, then we'll... Uh, go from there, but for now, uh, I like the key rotation that we have in set. Okay. Question two. Which one player on the present roster should be totally off-limits from a trade? Uh, this comes down to two people. You're either going to go with uh, Gallinari or Lawson. Um, in my opinion, it's Lawson, although Gallo stepped up lately. Um, I feel if Ty can get into the right mentality of the score first and then Based off his scoring, it'll free up open players, which will help him. Um, the kid is dangerous when he has the ball in his hands. He's so quick that uh, really no one in the league can keep I've only seen one player ever beat him in a sprint, and that was Isaiah Thomas with the Kings. Um, he's so fast off the ball. He can run a pick and roll. He can get to the paint. He can step back and shoot his little mid-15-foot mid, uh, jumper, which I think he needs to do more of. Um, Definitely Lawson should be off limits. I mean, Gallo should be off limits, too. But I feel if you had to choose one between those two, I'm picking Lawson nine times out of ten. All right. Question number three. Which one player on the present roster should be on on the trading block? Again, I'm going to go with nobody. Um, You could argue Andre Miller, but... The uh, trade value, the market out there for him just isn't anything I would like to get in return. Probably at this point in his career, you're only going to get a draft pick and maybe a D-League player at best, and that's at best. Um, So, I I mean, no one – I mean, you could trade Mozgov too, I guess. Um, There has been talk of a Mozgov trade. Yeah, and if anyone gets moved, it'll probably be him. Um, Would you be sad to see him go? Not sad, but disappointed we never really got a chance to see what he could actually do. He never do. panned out. Because, well, not even panned out. He never, never, really never played. played. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, he has talent. The talent's there, and he has size, which, as you know, he can't teach. Um, it would have been interesting to see his offensive game come together, because he does have some uh, touch around the post, which isn't common with a lot of big men. Um, but in this current makeup, you just, there's not enough minutes to go around. We just have too much talent and, uh, it looks like he's on his way out of town, which is kind of sad. So that brings us to our fourth question with, uh, either Mozzie or any other player. Do you see a realistic trade scenario that the Nuggets could greatly benefit from? Greatly benefit from? No. I mean, anything that happens this year is going to be minor. Um, 
probably if we don't trade Mozgov, he's definitely walking at the end of the year because he is a free agent. Um, I guess the best we could get back for Mozgov is probably a draft pick at this point, which, I mean, if you have a deal with another team in mind, you could package that in there. But um, we're really not players in the uh, in the uh, free agent market and the uh, trade deadline this year, which is a good thing in my opinion. Yeah. All right. So number five, our last I got five on it question, which is, at the end of the day, how active will the Nuggets be at the deadline? And what do you predict the ultimate? What, what do you predict will ultimately transpire? Right. Well, as I said in the last question, um, not much, honestly. Um, we have our main core set. We have very youthful players. Um, if anything happens, it'll be the Mozgov trade. Um, I personally don't think it'll happen, but you never know in the NBA. Things happen, and uh, trades get made so fast nowadays with the improvements of technology. Um, you never know, but I'll say come tomorrow at uh, 1.30 Mountain Time, we'll still have the same roster as we have today. Uh, would you be surprised if we didn't, if we had some big trade, if you Jerry pulled something crazy? If we had a huge trade, I would absolutely be surprised. I do not see that coming at all. Okay. Um, but you never know. I mean, um, I've been behind uh, Masai the whole time. Everything he's done has benefited the team, in my opinion. So uh, if he does make a move, we'll see, but I don't see it happening. All right. So that's our I Got Five on it. Uh, starting on Saturday, the NFL Combine. NFL Combine. Uh, where all the uh, top picks expected in the draft come to Indianapolis, and they run through a bunch of drills. Um, what's your feeling on the combines, Dan? Do you feel that it's beneficial, or do you feel it's just a waste of time? Waste of time. I think you judge a player when they play the game of football in a game situation, not practice. It's all about game time, not a practice player. That's my feeling. So not based on the drill, but what about, because uh, they do hold interviews there. Do you feel those have any importance to judge a person's character and how they act off the field because one could argue that how they act off the field is just as important as how they act on the field yeah i mean i feel like in the interview you can fake it or do something in the interview for at least that period of time but for the course of a college your college career or even a season they're gonna see something that's what they like or don't like in your character so you'd rather base it off the whole four-year career instead of just a three-day yeah off their college career i base it off that yeah totally base it off that Okay, fair enough. Um, is there anybody you're looking forward to seeing at the Combine this year? No one in particular. I know that we're looking at uh, Broncos speaking. I know we're looking at linebackers and defensive tackles. I'm not sure which ones, but... You have, do you, you have no interest in the, uh, the Teo no. story? No, not the Teo story, no. I don't care what he does at the Combine. <laughs> it'll be it'll be overhyped. So, I mean, well, I don't know. It'll be different. <laughs> Do you have any players, or do you have any players you think the Broncos would be looking at? Well, as you said, the uh, Broncos are probably going to be looking at defensive tackles and uh, linebackers in this year's draft. It's obviously our biggest need. Um, we need some. We need a big defensive tackle that can just stop the run and take on the double team. And I mean, right now our starting linebackers are, or competing for a middle linebacker is Nate Irving and. Uh, Steve Johnson. Yeah. Keith, have you, have Keith you, Brooking, is he? 
I guess. Or if he, if he he's stays around. Or what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see. Uh, if he stays around, I don't know if we'll keep him. But have you even heard of Nate Irving or Steve Johnson? No. Yeah, I mean, the casual fan wouldn't have. Um, that's because, honestly, they're not that, they're not starting middle, middle linebacker uh, worthy, I guess. They're not. I mean, they're not. They're decent role players. They're not a star in the making, though. Um, for defensive tackle, though, the uh, draft class this year is pretty deep. We got about six or seven people that should be there for the Broncos that have the talent to step in and make an immediate impact. Um, the only one that really is uh, probably untouchable is uh, Star Latule out of Utah. He'll probably go in the top ten. Um, people are saying that probably Sheldon Richardson out of Missouri probably won't be there as well. Um, that leaves the Broncos with, uh, a couple of defensive tackles in, uh, Sharif Floyd, Jesse Williams, Jonathan Hankins, and John Jenkins. Um, I've heard a lot of talk lately that people are liking John Jenkins. He's a big boy. Uh, Georgia, yeah, he is a big boy. 359, uh, 6'4". Um. As I said before, you can't teach size, and you put that guy in the That's middle. Right. He's bound to stop somebody on the <laughs> run, you know. Um, Linebacker-wise, uh, the thing about looking at Teo is that uh, he is talented, obviously, even though he didn't show up in the uh, most important game of his life against the uh, Crimson Tide. Maybe it was because of the whole Lene Kakua scandal. <laughs> which is honestly the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, looking at Teo, um, I really hope they don't draft Teo. Um, Do you think he'll drop down the Broncos day? I, he should be there. He'll be right at the end from the Broncos the on to the Ravens. Yeah, he'll be right at the end of the first round. Because as I said before, he does have talent. It's just if you want the circus that comes with them. He's turned into a Tebow and the fact that you're going to get more immediate questions about what happens off the field than like what happens on the field. The field. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, if you want that media circus, you'll draft it. To me, it's just not worth it. Um, the linebacker I'm really impressed with is uh, Nico Johnson out of Alabama. Uh, coming off the national championship, his stock's riding white high. Um, he can play the run and uh, – Right now, I feel that's what we need most from our middle linebacker position. So, um, But I'd rather take a defensive tackle. It's definitely what we need to spend our first-round pick on. And I'd be surprised if we draft anything other than a defensive tackle, honestly. You think, what, what pick would we get Nico Johnson? Possibly second, third? Um, if he's there in the second, I would uh, take him... But also, more realistically, probably take him in the third. He's not a superstar per se, but he'd be a nice fill and definitely an upgrade over Irving or Johnson. And, uh... Old man. An old man, Brooking, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, he'd be a nice fill and, uh... He could play the role that he needs to play in the Broncos' defensive scheme under Jack Del Rio. So, what were the two main people you'd be watching in the Combine? I'm going to be watching Sharif Floyd, and I'll be watching Nick Casa as well, the tight end out of Colorado. Not for the Broncos' purposes, it's but... The uh, Colorado prospect? He, he is. A, he, he signed to Florida. I don't know if you ever knew that. Right. But he was committed to Florida, and then he backed out and went to CU. He 
He's originally a defensive end, and then they converted him to tight end his senior year. He's really athletic, and the interesting thing about him is he's one of those players that you were talking about earlier that was going to shine. I think he's going to shine in the combine because he's an athletic freak. Um, he just didn't really pan out on the football field. Um, I know one of my friends was a uh, an equipment manager for CU, and he would just rave about how much of a practice player Nick Casa is, and that goes back to what you were talking about earlier. Wow. Um, the combine pretty much shines on the practice players and doesn't necessarily show the equivalent of what happens on the field. Yeah. Well, that does it for our NFL Combine talk. Yippee! <laughs> <laughs> We're going to transition here right into uh, MLB. A little baseball. Rockies. The spring training, or we're in the early parts of spring training. That's right. Everybody is just raving about the MLB right now. Yep, right? it's big news. Uh, the Rockies. The Rockies. What we, we had one of the worst years ever last year, didn't we? Yeah, it was, it was a rough one. Um, do you see any any hope for the future? I mean, we haven't done much, have we? I don't. I don't know what we're doing. I don't see any hope at the moment. I mean, we had. I mean, hopefully Tulo can stay healthy. But are we? We don't know if we're staying old. We're gonna get old players, or trying to go young and restart, kind of, or because we just we re-signed Jeff Francis, I think, to a two-year contract of some sort, and then traded away a young pitching prospect in Alex White. Well, I feel we're in the. Uh... We're in the middle of those two scenarios. Yeah, we, we haven't made a choice. <laughs> we, yeah, we're, we're uh, just sort of floating Limbo. Along. Yeah, we are in limbo. Um, I mean, it's nice to have a nice mix of veterans and of young people, but it just they're not, doesn't None of them are good enough. <laughs> that's the key. <laughs> it helps when they're good. Um, offensively, I think we'll be right up there in the top of the league again. But uh, Just being at this, Coors Field, or what do you think we have that good of a hitting team? Oh, we'll be fine hitting. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll be top 10 probably in all offensive categories. But uh, if this league comes down to pitching, I don't know how many times year after year the Rockies management has to watch our pitching woes just go down the drain. Um, I mean, our starting five this year is just not very good at all. I mean, who's our who's our number one stand? Jorge De La Rosa. And our number one pitcher is is uh, coming off of a serious injury last year and might not even be all the way recovered. Um, it's just, I don't know if there'll ever be a consistent pitching here in Colorado. I don't know what the problem is. Maybe it's just the thin air. Um, it certainly doesn't attract a lot of free agents. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we'll ever... Do you think we'll ever have any semblance of a dominant core or will we have to rely on people like a De La Rosa or a Chessine to sort of just stay the ground while the offense carries the way? I think we're going to have to rely on the offense carrying the way. I don't see a, a, a superstar like you're saying, a dominant pitching staff. I can't remember the last good pitching contract we had. Um, I mean, we, we had Ubaldo. That didn't really work out. Not that he's doing great things in Cleveland, but that one definitely our best pitcher, <laughs> best pitcher in the last four years. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, it's a young team, so you know they're hungry. You know, effort's not going to be a problem. Another thing will be with Walt Weiss. I mean, or the new manager. Uh, he's coming off coaching Regis High School last year. Yeah. Um, 
questionable decision may be management materialized, but he's a great person and he's been in the Colorado baseball uh, atmosphere for a while here. Um, do you think he'll, how do you think he'll do in his first year? Oh, he's going to struggle. I'm not sure if it'll be his fault, but this team's going to struggle. We'll see how he does with bringing out Rutledge and trying to find another third base window. Oh, Rutledge is a stud. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. That kid can play some ball. Um, third baseman is definitely a question. Uh, hopefully somebody steps up this year between Nelson and Pacheco. Pacheco. Um, the one kid in AAA was Nolan Arenado. He's supposed to be pretty good if he gets brought up this year. Um, he's been down there for a couple of years, though, so I don't know if they're just slowly bringing him along or if they're just uh, – he's not that good. I honestly don't know. Um, so we'll see how this year goes. Um, hopefully there's no serious injuries again. I mean, you personally know my opinion on Tulo. Uh, yeah. It's not, you want to get rid of him. <laughs> it's not, not necessarily get rid of him. I just think that he's overrated as a player. Um, certain aspects of his game are over-touted. Um, Cargill will probably have a bounce-back year. Uh, Dexter just signed a new contract in center. The outfield's pretty solid. Uh, with Cargo, Dexter, and then Kadair and Coleman uh, platooning and right, probably, uh, with Eric Young as a backup if uh, any of them needs a day off or gets hurt. Um, I mean, offensively, I still feel we'll be fine. Again, it all comes down to pitching. So we'll see right now. Uh, I'll say just as I haven't looked for research at all, but I'll go we'll get third in the West. Um, probably another division title in the – or another World Series title in the division has got a light of spark under their fire, knowing that they're, the Giants have won, like, was it two out of the last three or two out of the last four, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, knowing that has got to spark them up, knowing that a small market team can do it. Um, I mean, of course, the Giants have excellent pitching, but uh, we'll, see, we'll see how the season turns out. It'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. So that brings us in, and we'll be able to take a quick break and be back with our college talk. Pierce underneath, maneuvering, kicked out green, three balls up, ended! back to Colorado State! Right, now we're back with our college report, and first on docket is CSU Rams. First off, before we get to this incredible team, I'd like to remind you all to follow us on Twitter at TheMileHighBias, hashtag TMHB. TMHB? Uh, <laughs> get the word out there, you know. We're just working hard, trying to get, trying to promote our stuff. Um, if you like what you hear, let us know. If you don't like what you hear, let us know. We're always open to comments and suggestions on how, uh, which direction you'd like to see the show go. And uh, Hopefully not one. Hopefully not one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we love feedback, so please don't hold back at all. Yeah, so getting back to CSU. This past week, they just beat San Diego State and Air Force, putting yeah. them up at that number 22 in the AP polls. Uh, it's two under-the-radar high-quality wins for this club. Um, not necessarily nationally, because, of course, they're going to get no recognition in the Mountain West. But uh, San Diego State's a solid team, but, I mean, we hold serve at uh, home court. We were favored in that game. We were expected to win. We came out. Um, some people maybe thought that with the pressure of the first ranking in 50 years that we might crumble a little. Uh, we played a pretty good game against San Diego State, don't you think? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's always a tough team, San Diego State. Yeah, uh, the win I'm really impressed with is that Air Force win. Going down to Clune Arena, it's not 
nationwide known as a tough place to play, but uh, that's a tough little arena to play in. And uh, that Michael Lyons kid, boy, boy, he can play. <laughs> he can light it up. Uh, he can shoot. He can score. Um, it's a good, good road win, especially with the big game tonight against uh, at UNLV. At UNLV. Uh, so Air Force was a classic trap game. We came out, got the job done. Eustacey's just doing a heck of a job up there in Fort Collins. The the 22 ranking, you think it's right where we should be at? Or you think it's uh, underrated, overrated? Uh, it's probably right where we're at. I mean, right we're, we're, tw- at. we're 21 in the coaches. Um, I mean, a lot of the top 20, from 25 to 20 teams didn't lose last week. I think only a couple fell out. There weren't a lot of new teams, so there wasn't that much room to move up. Um, if we get two huge wins this week, though, I'll look for a pretty dramatic jump. Pretty, like, top 15? We'll be 15 to 18, probably. Right. At UNLV and home to New Mexico, two solid, solid teams. What is New Mexico, 19? Um, I'm not sure. Something? Somewhere around there. Um, the ranking's not that important, honestly. Um, we're going for the seed, really. I mean, last time I looked, we are at a 5. And uh, I think if we win the Mountain West, which honestly I don't think we will, but if we do, we can get up to as high as a three. And that would be huge for bringing recruits in and uh, getting national exposure to the um, two programs that des- def- desperately need it. So what's your prediction this week? One and one? One and one, yeah. One and one? I don't think we can go into you know, the and win. Um, I said before, I think they're the most talented team in the Mountain West. Uh, Thomas and Max Center is always a tough place to play, and uh, we'll see. I'd be really surprised if CSU win. Uh, I'd be happy, of course, but uh, I don't see it happening tonight. I've got faith. I'm going 2-0 this week. 2-0. Wow, there's Steve for you. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Moving on to the Buffs. The Buffaloes. This team is hot and cold, man. They go one, one day, and they beat a... A pretty, pretty, pretty darn good Arizona team. Yeah, they had a nice streak going there at um, Oregon, and then yeah, come back later in Arizona. To, a couple big wins to boost the resume, and then they come back and uh, lay a stinker against Arizona State. I just at home, at home where they're yeah. pretty darn good. Um, yeah. I just can't get a solid read on this team right now. They can't beat Arizona State. It's the second time this year. <laughs> they lost to Arizona State. Yeah, oh. twice. Well, maybe they just have their number. I guess so. <laughs> um, I mean, that's it's almost expected with a young team, you know. Uh, they'll have their ups and their downs. Maybe they were too cocky after beating Arizona. Who knows? I personally don't know. I didn't get a chance to watch the game. Um, I know they play Utah here coming up, and then they go on a pretty crucial road trip for their NCAA tournament hopes, and then they finish up with the Oregon and Oregon State. I still think they're on track to make the tourney, and they should be all right. But, um, you know, sometimes losses aren't a bad thing. Sometimes they wake you up, make you more prepared for the next game. Um, but that was a bad loss. You can't say it any other way. Yeah. So you see an easy win at U- or versus Utah at home? Oh, yeah. That should be a blowout from start to finish. Uh, they lost at Utah. They won't be happy about that. Tad won't be happy about losing to Arizona State, especially at home. Um, he's trying to bring this program to the top 25 every year, um, which I think he'll do eventually. Um, he's one of the better coaches in the country right now. And, uh, yeah, it should be a blowout from start to finish with, uh, 
pretty lopsided win for CU in uh, Boulder this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I got the same pick. Easy win, so 1-0 for the bus. Yes, sir. Now it's my favorite part of the week. The picks of the week, also known as picking the spread when there is no spread. Yep. Uh, a little recap of last week. The the fade of the week worked with uh, Stian going with UNLV. They ended, up, they ended up being favored by four. They got out to a big lead, and then they only ended up winning by two. Yep. What happened, man? I don't know. This is why I'm picking, uh, I think, CSU can win at UNLV. No, They'll get up to a big lead and just fade, that, fade. That, that better not be your pick. <laughs> you better not do so. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, and that you what, you picked the the Don from San right. Francisco, the, the team you never heard of. Yeah. Uh, did they pull out that cover? They 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 pulled the cover out. Uh, it was a close one though. What was the spread on that game? It was twelve and a half. Was the spread? Twelve and, and a half. What was the final? They, they lost, lost by, by 10? Yep, ten points. Yeah, I mean, well, Gonzaga started off to a big lead. Don's well, made a comeback. Yeah, it was they good. came back and were almost winning. Yeah, I think they're down by two at one point. Yeah, and then in the second they, half, uh, sort of faded there towards the end. Uh, they held on for the spread, though. Never really so doubt. Go. So that puts my record at one and zero, and Steen's record at zero and one. But with the segment, I mean, if you followed me and went against Steen, which you're supposed to do, you'd be two and zero. So we're just bringing in the money here at the Mile High Bias. This week, who you got, Steen? I am taking. The VCU Rams over Xavier. Is Why that, I'm taking is that, that a home game or a road game? That's VCU on the road. <laughs> yes, I'm taking a road team. All right. Uh, you, got any, you got any reason why? That's a, a strange pick. What well, last when they lost, they lost to who was it? St. Louis. Yeah, they got obliterated um, by St. Louis. And so that was who was their player? Tennis Graham. Yeah, Ter- Ter- Terry, Graham. Terry on Graham or something? Trayvon, Travion Graham. Travion. That was it. Yeah, he's he's got he's averaging like twenty seven minutes a game, and what okay. he went he went. He's their top scorer, correct? It looks like it. Yes, <laughs> but he he went he was just shooting terrible last game at St. Louis. I don't I don't think he'll shoot that bad against Xavier, and I feel they they need a nice win to nice get their spirits up. They have an important game coming up, I believe, or no? Oh yeah, they play at they play uh, versus home at Butler after this after the Xavier game. So these are both huge games to try to keep pace in the first. It's with uh, St. Louis and Butler and for first and for first standings, and, right? Yep. Um, you don't feel so VCU over Xavier. You don't feel it's a look ahead game at all with Butler coming up next, or do you feel they'll be pretty angry after coming up? The, uh, they'll they'll be angry. They'll be angry. Yeah. They'll come out fighting Get against Xavier. Yep. It's tough to go into Xavier and pull out a win. Uh, we'll see. They'll probably be uh, a slight underdog. They'll probably they'll probably be two and a half, three and a half points. I mean, I'm not a bookmaker by any means, but that's just a guess off the top of my head. Going with VCU on the road. Yep. That's the fate of the week, folks. VCU <laughs> probably taking plus points. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll be favored. It's going to be no bigger than four, though. Uh, as for myself, I'm going to go ahead and take a team that should be extremely angry on uh, the uh, Kansas Jayhawks. They play the uh, TCU Horned Frogs down at uh, Fog Allen Fieldhouse. For those of you who don't remember, TCU <laughs> uh, handed Kansas possibly its most embarrassing loss in college basketball history, uh, beating them down in Texas. Uh, that was in the middle of their three-game losing streak. They're kind of back on a roll now, winning a couple in a row. Um, 
the spread's going to be huge. Um, should be maybe even in the 20s, maybe high teens. Um, Macklemore seemed to get back on track, and the Kansas players seem to understand their roles a little better now. Um, I think they're going to bring it, just take it to them and uh, pound them out like the back of the woodshed. Um, it's going to be ugly quick. It's going to be ugly all night long. And uh, maybe even a 30-point victory here for the Jayhawks. Ooh, 30 points. We'll see. I mean, the spread should be... Like 20 high. or so, 15? It 20? should be anywhere from 15 to 22. I know that's a big range, but uh, you just never know. Well, that's um, what happens when you pick the spread without the spread. <laughs> that is what happens when you pick the spread without the spread. So give me the Jayhawks over TCU this weekend. Uh, we got... Alright, so we got Virginia Commonwealth on the road and T- and Kansas at home. Alright, we'll see how they turn out. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for listening to another episode of the Mile High Bias here on the podcast. Uh, don't forget to follow us at the Mile High Bias on Twitter. Uh, lots of interesting stuff going on. Uh, remember to subscribe, like us, comment. Um, let us know what you're feeling out there. Uh, we always enjoy feedback again. And uh, for Tyler... And skin. Well, I'll have a bonus, and we'll see you next week.